Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. I'm your host, Joe Meyer. Thank you for being here with me today as we kick off this Sunday edition of Just Talk with Joe Meyer. And I know it's been a couple weeks, and I know I always say that, folks. Uh, But sometimes, you know, I try to find an opportunity when I feel like it's worth talking about, right? So I don't necessarily want to just talk just because. Oi, come in. Oh, it's okay, you come in. You can come in, no worries. Oh, <laughs> All right, sorry about that, folks. Had a uh, maintenance man come stop by and um, fix a little issue with the toilet. (laughs) So sorry you heard that. I had to put you on pause for a moment. But here we are, back again, right? Welcome. All right, everyone. 
or non-blondes. You know, part of this radio show, I guess, is to introduce those of you to music. I love music, as you could tell. And, you know, introduce different songs that I've enjoyed over the years. And, um, you know, a lot of my songs are, are not necessarily anything that reflect who I am or in a sense what I do like like getting high because I don't do that obviously I don't really I don't even drink you know um and it's just my personal choice you know I, I'm not a big drinker I never have been um I, I I choose to keep my mind focused on other things and not to you know um you know not to be in a a, a state where I don't know where I'm at or know what's happening, right? Um, many years ago in my youth, and I'm still young, so to speak, <laughs> um, I, you know, I drank. I went with coworkers. We go to uh, what's called BJ's. It's, a, it's basically a, um, it's just like, you know, a restaurant basically and drink tequila shots. And I remember um, one time I was probably like 23 or 24. I forget. We went, we had a couple co-workers went to BJ's, you know, we drank some tequila shots, some Grey Goose, that stuff was very expensive. It was good. Don't get me wrong. It was smooth. Um, I must've drank like, I don't know how many, like at least five or six shots, maybe more. I don't know, but I got the bill. <laughs> Because they gave me the bill and it was like $150. I remember that for sure. I'll never forget that. But those are one of the, the times where, you know, I didn't have any worries about responsibilities, about kids, about a wife. It, it, you know, uh, it was just me and the coworkers, right? And I drove like that. And I always was thankful that I never got pulled over or gotten an accident but i don't encourage anybody ever to do that it's dangerous and you you could ruin your life basically if you go and drink and drive right um so it's not something i encourage anybody to do um so certainly don't do it but um you know it was a time in my life where i remember and the other times i've i've drank heavily was when I was in college, like many students do, um, being away from home for the first time when I was probably like 19, 18 or 19. Um, and I, I would go to different, you know, within my dorm, I would um, drink with my schoolmates and um, get drunk. And one time I, I drank too much and I threw up, you know, I, I was hitting the porcelain god, <laughs> you know, and it was a, a reminder to me. The one thing I remember is that, you know, I, I really, at that point in my life, I didn't really have a lot of um, knowledge of drinking, although my grandfather drank every day. He never got drunk, as far as I could see. Um, he would buy a case of Miller and uh, drink the whole thing sometimes in a, in a day or same day. But he was never drunk, you know. But anyways, as far as I know. But he did act like an a-hole most of the time. So it's hard to tell. Um, but at that time, you know, um, I didn't really have a taste for it. You know, I, I remember one time I would meet people online, women especially, because I was always searching for relationships. I was always searching for love. And I mean that. I'm somebody who's, I don't know, you could say, I'm a romantic at heart. And I would want to meet women. And I really didn't have like a preference. You know, back then, I was only 19, 20s, in my 20s, you know. Um, I, I'll be honest, I attracted a lot of the larger women, big boned, as you'd say. And I was never really attracted to them. You know, some guys are. Some guys like that. But you know what? Maybe I should give them a chance back then. I don't know. I, it's not that I was like stuck up or snotty or anything like that. But maybe partly I am. 
And I'll tell you why. There's just, for me anyways, there's nothing appealing about an obese woman. And some of you out there may find that offensive because you're like, well, my wife is large and in charge. (laughs) And I love her just the way she is. And that's you. I'm not saying, you know, those who are large and in charge, as I like to say, you know, they're bad people or they're disgusting or anything like that. It's just, it's a preference. Uh, I guess I always liked smaller women, petite women. Um, you know, like to be called the little woman, you know. But other than that, um, didn't really have a preference. A lot of the women, especially when I was in high school, that I was somewhat attracted to were petite and small. And there was a few in there that were on the chunkier side, I guess you could say. You know, there was one in high school. Her name was Misty. I'll never forget Misty. Misty... We were in the same grade, I believe. I forget her last name. She was white. She was a strawberry blonde. She was chunky. I guess she she was in the color guard or whatever. Uh, my sister was in the color guard, and I think they were in part of the same color guard. Or she? Oh no, she was part of the band. I think I forgot. She was a band, and she would always say hi to me. Always, like, and you may say, "Well, what's the big deal about that?" Well, she would flirt with me. You know, make it seem like she was interested in me. But I never gave her the time of day. I feel bad about that today. Um, Because she died a few years after high school. She had a baby. And she died. And from what I heard, and I don't know if it's true or not. But I think she died. She slipped in the tub or something. She hit her head. And she died. She was a cute girl. I was actually going to go to prom with her, but stupid me, you know, said, no, it's all right. Well, you know, I, I, I changed it and I went with somebody else, which was a total big mistake. Her name was Andrea and she was like a snob in a way. And she didn't have any interest in going with me. She just wanted to go to the prom. That's it. You know, when you go to prom, Especially back then, I I was very innocent, okay? You know, most guys that age, they have, I guess you could say the sexual juices are flowing. You know, I didn't have any of that. Uh, Yes, I was attracted to women, but I didn't, I, I was scared of sex. I was scared what could happen, having a baby. And a lot of my, you know, classmates, oh, they weren't afraid. I heard it from them. You know, I they, I would hear them over talk about how they slept with their girlfriends and all that. And I, I, I was very innocent. It was probably a lot to do with my upbringing. And I was just very much full of depression and low self-esteem. So I, I and honestly, I just didn't feel nobody would want me anyways. So what's the point? But I still attempted to try to meet girls. And a lot of the girls I would meet, they were bigger boned. But they were nice girls. They were good girls. You know, and we would not necessarily go on dates. um, But hang out, you know. I didn't really go on dates in high school. I was um, focused on um, my studies Focused on my clubs, my little clubs that I was a part of, like Computer Club. I was the president of Computer Club. <laughs> I know that sounds geeky, right? I was the president of the Business Academy Club, you know. And again, I liked clubs. I liked the interaction. Um, I was part of the track and field team. I did cross country. Uh, eventually, I became the water boy for uh, varsity baseball and then varsity football. Now, what I loved about that, you guys, okay, now I know I was a water boy. It was pretty easy, anyways. I had a Letterman jacket because I got a Letterman and it was exciting. My mom got me a Letterman jacket, which, sorry to say, a few years ago I lost it. Can't forget about that till today and still 
think about that, what happened to it. And it was during the time when my my dad had moved from his home, my family home, and um, I forgot about it, you know. And um, it got probably thrown in the trash or something. And um, a lot of other things. But um, I love that jacket. We would go to like football games and they would feed us. We'd go to, they would feed us to a place that used to call, be called, it's still there, I believe, called Geezer's. And, and, um, and basically we'd, they would, it was like a full meal. I would, I would love pasta Alfredo. They would feed that to us. And it was just a big meal before, you know, feed a bunch of carbs to us, um, before the big game. And we'd go and we'd take the bus and we'd go to the varsity football games and I would get the water prepared and, you know, it was nice. It was nice. It was good memories. Um, I wasn't really big on PE itself. <laughs> Just wasn't. I, I, I liked, I liked cross country. I still like to run. I still run today. Um, it, it's just always stuck with me. Never ran a marathon or anything like that, but, um, something that I, I've always remember as fond memories. Um, the coaches, um, the coach and, I forget, I forget their names. I only remember one name and he was a son of a bitch. Um, sorry to excuse my language. His name was Malstead. He was a Santa Fe varsity coach and he ruled the sports teams and all that at that time. He died a few years ago. I, I felt like going on Facebook and, and letting people know what a piece of shit I thought he was. But it's like, you know, Joseph... Why do you want to desecrate the dead's name? You know, you don't need to go there. And you're right. There, And I know I do it to my grandfather because he was a piece of shit. A real piece of shit, you guys. And he's probably in hell right now. Um, you know, and thank goodness. I know we all deserve hell. But um, but it, it's just interesting. Malstead, Jack Malstead. I remember him. Um, he was the varsity football coach. I think he was like another, I think, and then, uh, oh, Coach Mitchell was the uh, coach for track and field and um, cross country. I remember him. He, they were both, um, Coach Mitchell was so nice, nice fellow. Man, this was like 98, you guys. This was over 20 years ago. So there, one of them's already dead. I'm sure the other one may have already died already because when I, Coach Mitchell was an older man. He was already gray. He was in good shape, though. He looked like in great shape, you know, for that age, you know. But um, but they're old, and um, and remember the it was a very it wasn't a very good experience during that time and year, especially ninety eight. I'll tell you why. Because I was part of the varsity sports team. Um, when they weren't playing, I would help out in the locker room. No, I wouldn't wash jocks or anything like that. That's not what I did. I, I would just sweep and clean and keep it neat. And then when um, football season came around, I would um, go on the, in the summers and um, help out and get the equipment prepared and, and all that. And um, there was this guy named Rodney. Rodney was the locker room attendant. He was a, an adult. He wasn't a student. He worked there, right? Um, and I would hang out with Rodney, right? Um, Rodney was another piece of shit that worked there. I'll tell you why. At first, he was nice. But he would say some really offensive things to me. And he didn't care. And I took it to heart. And... One time I got really upset with him. I forget what the reason was. And it must have really have bothered me what he said. But I said, you know what, Rodney? I'm going to come back and I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to kill you. And he didn't seem too phased by it. You know, he's like, oh, okay. But I felt bad after that. Now, this was a different time. So I felt bad and I went to, I felt so bad I had to talk to my counselor and tell him what I said. My counselor was like, okay, Joseph, what you said was wrong. 
Okay, you shouldn't have said that. You can get in a lot of trouble for threatening somebody like that. And it wasn't like a legitimate threat. I didn't really mean it. I was just, because I was just passionate and I was really upset. And, and, you know, he said, okay, well, don't worry. I don't know what he did. We kind of moved on, you know. I don't remember if I apologized to Rodney or not. I still helped out there. It's not like. I couldn't, that was part of my PE requirement, you right, um, at the time. Um, there was also another piece of garbage named Rodrigo. He was like a uh, uh, another student assistant. And um, he was another, he was Rodney's friend, you know. Um, but they were both offensive to me. And one time I was going to talk to Coach Malstead and I went into his office to talk to him about, you know, how I felt or what was the problem. And he basically said, I don't want to hear that, you know, that, that bullshit about, you know, self-esteem and all that, that you have low self-esteem. And I was like, ah, oh, never mind, you know, and I walked out, I left, you know. You know, it's amazing how many adults have failed me at that time in my life and where I would be today if they didn't. That's how important adults are at times to kids, young adults. And we don't realize it because they come to us for help. And they ask for our advice and we either give it to them or not or push them away when the, the advice could certainly help them in their life. Because not everybody has a, a dad or a grandparent to talk to about different things. And I didn't. Yes, my father and grandfather were in my life. But they weren't talkative to me, you guys. They really weren't. They didn't give me advice. They didn't even hug me or tell me they loved me. So I didn't really have a lot too many male role models to go to at that point in my life. Right? And it was a point where I had to try to internally suffer on my own. Right? And I did. And it was a hard time in my life. And the fruition of that took the years down after that, after I graduated college, is when I eventually attempted my to take my life in 2007. Um, and it's amazing just how many years have passed since then. 15, I think, right? Yeah, if I'm doing my math right. <laughs> yeah, 15 years. Um, how things have changed over the years, right? Um, but I didn't really have a lot of male role models or any at all at that time point in my life. Even in high school, there were no men there to talk to me. Friends were no help. Friends took advantage of me for money. They saw I bring lunch money and they would ask me for money or they would demand money and all the time. Yeah, some would pay it back. But I, I was always at, I was always trying to please people. Like if it meant like helping, giving money to a, a, a classmate so they'll be my friend, I would do that. I didn't know any better. No one talked to me back then about these things, right? And it was difficult because I didn't know how to cope. I lived in the house of horror where every day was I would get berated, put down, told I'm a piece of shit, I'm worthless, you name it. That was I was living in that. And many of you out there maybe have lived in situations like that. I know you. I'm using a lot of profanity today. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to explain to you guys out there what I went through. And sometimes there's no words for it. It was a tough childhood, adulthood. I think about that a lot, a lot, excuse me, because I think, where would I be today? I look at a lot of my coworkers who are young. I mean, they're young. They're probably in their late 20s, could be early 20s. I don't know. They look all young. And I say, I wish I could have had that in my life at that age. Maybe I would have a different life today. Maybe I'd have a better life. Who knows? Um, 
but I didn't. We deal with the cards we'll doubt, so to speak, right? Some have worse upbringings than me. Some were abused sexually. I was not. I was just, you know, I, I don't say just, but I was told throughout my life from my grandfather what a worthless piece of shit I was. And that affected me. I don't ask anybody ever tell kids that. Anybody. We shouldn't even tell adults that stuff. We don't know if we're going to trigger anybody. But we're such in a very divisive time that back then it was very different. It's not like today where I believe we tend to take many things to heart, right? We really do. We take a lot to heart, you know? And... And, you know, and, and why shouldn't we, right? Why shouldn't we? These are things that we should pay attention to. These are things that we can't just let go. My daughter, who's nine, I tell her every day I love her, how I appreciate her, how smart she is. And some of you may say, well, you shouldn't tell kids that all the time. It may give them a big head like they think they're better than everybody. No, I'm going to tell her because no one told me those things. We should tell our kids we love them. Tell them how special they are, how, how, how much of a gift they are to our lives. And she is a gift, a major gift. She's just like me in any ways, and that's not a gift in itself, but, <laughs> you know, she's a great artist. She loves to draw, and I saw one of her drawings the other day, which I don't, she did it from memory. It was amazing. I mean, it was a, it was a, she drew it in pen, and some character or something she drew, and I was like, what is this? You drew this? Yeah, wow, she loves it. I see a lot of her in me. Or I see a lot of myself in her, excuse me, when I was that age. And how no one was, my mom was there, obviously. But when your parents don't try to encourage those gifts, help you with those gifts, from a young age, it's squandered, you know, squandered. And um, it's unfortunate because kids never really appreciate their potential. And there's a lot of kids out there that grow up to be adults who struggle when they don't have to. Yes, we live in a tough world, folks. We live in a world of media, social media, where there's a lot of messages out there and messaging. There's a feel-goodness about it sometimes. But it's not completely one of those things that people should follow. It's disingenuous. It's things that we shouldn't really get too caught up in. The people in our lives are the ones who should be doing it. Not We should not be hearing those feel-good messages and believing all of them from media, like TV or social media, right? I know we're very much in a very connected world, which is fine. It's good to be connected to people. It's good to have a phone and, and do like what you guys are doing and listen to a podcast and and you know and you know and certainly you know you 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 get to sit in the comfort of your home or your car or wherever and listen to someone like me Babylon, right? I'm sure many people do. Many people are out there, you know, listening to Joe Rogan or some other person out there, right? Celebrity spout things, right? 
inaccuracies, inconsistencies, disinformation. Now, I try not to do that. Hopefully, I'm not, right? My, my show is pretty clean here, you know, as far as what we talk about. But um, it's important that, you know, we know that there's a lot of disinformation out there. A lot of things out there that we have to be careful what we listen to, what we watch, and not to repeat it. It doesn't help. You know, it really doesn't help. We live in a world where people are have opinions like I do. And some many people out there put those opinions as and treat them as gold. Like they're just, you know, the opinion, the consensus that everybody feels that way. And it's not true. I'm pretty traditional in my thinking. Some would even say boring, right? I hope I'm not boring. You know? I don't think I'm boring. Anyways. Let's think about what our next song is going to be. I actually have it right here. All right. So let me play this for you guys. I think you're going to like this one. It's from the 80s, 90s as well. But um, it's one of my favorite artists. I like her. It's Paula Abdul. And she's still around, obviously. But she doesn't really make music as much as or at all as much as before. And why does, does she even have to? Because she's older now. So she has plenty of money, fame. You know, I don't think her talent ever goes away or has ever gone away. I'm sure she's very talented. I don't think she can um, dance really often anymore because of her body and arthritis or whatever, you know. But this is a song that I remember and I'll talk about it in a moment. But here it is.
All right, opposites attract, right? I don't know about you, but how many times you've heard that song or you saw the video, it's kind of like that animation and they're dancing together and it's just a great video. I I like it, Um, even today, right? And I think that song was made in 1989-90, but still a good artist, right? Um, And she, you know, Paula Abdul, she, she said, the tone for the industry too about dancing music artists um i think she was an la rams or um cheerleader at one point you know if i'm not mistaken or raiders one of those i forget which one it was um but um but yeah even today right um everyone knows her of course american idol obviously she was on that show for many years and then uh, you know sure she made lots of money <laughs> lots and lots of money right um where you think you're almost out but then you they they bring you back in (laughs) um but um other than that what what did that song mean to me you know i've always liked it and it's just a a good message in a sense about you know obviously the cat and the animated cat is a smoker and all that I, i you know and it's just it's just the imagery about opposites attract and how many times we are attracted to those people who are completely different than us, right? And that's not a bad thing. It's it's a good thing. You know, no one wants to be with somebody just like them. Some people do. I, I certainly don't. Uh, my wife, Delia, is very different than me. Obviously, she's from a different culture. She's from El Salvador. Um, different ages different frame of thinking. She is a better person than I am. I I guarantee you that. And I love her. She's a strong woman. She has a very strong character. Not that I have a weak character, but I I just have a very more lax character when it comes to things. And I've always been like that. And we kind of, you know, balance each other out, right? And I have to remember that. that you know we 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 each offer each other something different in the relationship in our love and our marriage right and um and that's great all couples should you know some couples look for someone they can identify with as the same race color wise language I never had those preferences. Um, Some of you probably heard this story, but many years ago, back in 2008, um, when I met Dahlia, the prior year, that's the year I tried to end my life, right? I was a broken man, very broken. And at that point in my life when I met her, I was not fully recovered. I was recovering over what had happened a prior year and a half or something around that time. Um, But she saved my life. She was my lifesaver. And um, I'm thankful to her each day that God brought her into my life and God did bring her into my life through one of our friends at the time and a co-worker um because i think about what would my life be like today if daria wasn't in my life would i still have a daughter would i have kids would i be alone would i be alive maybe i would have tried again who knows it's hard to say um hard to say really it's hard to say um but i'm thankful for the blessings god has given us all these years we've struggled financially mostly that's partly on my fault i've always had the mentality that a man should provide for his family and i know that's old-fashioned we live in a modern age where both women men and women work to support the family um and 
We follow that today. But back then, you know, my wife was working until around 2012 when her bosses fired her. She was like a housekeeper. Never really had any inclinations that it was a, a bad job or anything. They actually paid her pretty well. <laughs> um, the only diff- the only hard thing was that, you know, she had to stay home. And they traveled a lot. So she had to watch the house. So there would be like sometimes three weeks she couldn't leave. Like she can get groceries and things like that. She just couldn't like go somewhere for the weekend or leave for long periods of time. Because there's also dogs there. They had two dogs. And they were the Fishmans. That's what their name was, the Fishmans. They were they lived in Tarzana, or they still, probably still do. Um, and they're wealthy Jewish people. He, he's, he's an accountant, and he owns his own accounting firm. They make lots of money, I'm sure. But um, just think about that when people talk about wealth. Yes, some people inherit it. But some people actually work for it. I mean, they start a business, it's successful, they make money. I can't, I can't be mad at people like that. Because we all have the opportunity here in America to do that. And some of you may say, no, Joseph, that's not right. That's not true. I don't have millions or I don't have lots of money to go start my own business. And you don't really need to. It takes hard work. I'm not going to lie. But you can do it. We can all do it. But you just got to pick a, a industry, a business that's going to make money, that's going to be profitable. You know, most businesses can become profitable, I think. If you find the right customer, the niche, and grow it from there. You know, I should have started my own business a long time ago. I am considering um, a consultant role eventually i'm working on my project management certification as we speak pmp it and i'm working on that i have to study for the test and uh, the test uh, it doesn't appear that difficult it's about 180 questions to 200 questions um and then i would like to you know be a consultant where i can offer my services to other businesses and be more a little bit more independent See, working from home has given me this sense of, I guess, confidence that I can do it from home. But I would need to get customers, obviously. And I think it's quite possible. It's going to take a little work, though, of course. Maybe a lot of work, but it's okay. I can make it happen. I can make it happen. Um, I like being able to work from home. I like the freedom. You know, it's nice. Um, But anyways, um, what was I saying? (laughs) Sometimes I get off my my topics. But um, it's something that we should all think about. We all have the abilities in most cases. Um, There are many people out there I, I truly admire that don't have a lot of education or formal education like going to college that are very successful. Hey, if a nine-year-old, which I've seen, can create a successful business from nothing, you and I are perfectly capable, right? And I've seen some pretty successful nine- or ten-year-old that start businesses at that age because they have that. They start with something small or simple, and it grows from there, and they're making millions, right? It's just amazing, right? So what... What's going on today in the world, right? I know we haven't been talking about that lately. I don't really like bringing politics into my discussions. But, you know, uh, you know, I know what's kind of still going on in the world today. We have COVID. We have the Ukraine-Russia war. We have national politics we have state politics i live in the state of california so i think soon we're going to have to vote for our new governor eventually and then the 20 the the primaries are coming up soon for the federal like for president and all those of who we're going to vote for so it's coming up there's a lot to think about 
and the future of our country. Um, Work-wise, it seems to be going okay. I'm a lot more at ease than I was a couple months ago. Um, Although work is not as busy as I would like it to be. Um, being that you know we have a lot of new customers coming on board that we're trying to onboard and they just haven't gotten to me yet and eventually they will but I've, I've changed my whole approach to how I deal with customers now right how I work with them and I think it's working I've changed my mindset my focus um so that's going okay. Physically, I'm doing okay. I do have a condition, and it's very private. It's called uh, hydrocil that I'm trying to re- fix, and I have to see a doctor. Let's just say it's part of the male anatomy. <laughs> that it, it's, you know, if you look it up, you'll know. And it's something that, I'm very self-conscious about, so that's why I don't really talk about it. But if for all of you, you want to look up the word hydrocell for men, it's a condition. It deals with the male anatomy. Um, And I have to have that looked at because I've had it since I was like in my late 20s or early 20s, I should say, because doctors let me know I had it. It really never doesn't bother me. I'm not in pain or anything like that. But it's uncomfortable in the sense of when I look at myself and my the way my clothes fit so to speak um i just don't feel good you know so something i have to get checked out which i get checked out in may sometime this week this month have a doctor and then i have to go see a specialist i have to see my main doctor i don't really have a regular doctor i don't really go to the doctor very often but but me and my wife discussed this and she's like you know you should really have those things checked out because you never really want to get some kind of news like, oh, well, you, you know, you you have cancer or you have prostate cancer or something like that or cancer in general. Right? I certainly don't want to ever get that message, but I can't control that. But I want to do my best to take care of myself. Health-wise is very important. Continue to work out. Continue to gain more muscle. Continue to eat right. I'm excited about it. I see my body differently now. Right? I feel good. I feel good. <sighs> Man. But other than that, everything seems to be going okay. Daughter's going to be out of school soon. She's finishing this last month, a few weeks, in the third grade. And uh, so that's exciting. Wife is working. She may become a manager soon. They might be promoting her. That's excellent news. See, God's blessing us. God's blessing us. So everything seems to be going well, right? Can't complain, I guess you could say. Um, other than that, you know, just take it day by day. You know, have peace in the home, peace in the marriage, peace in the relationships. Um, that's all we can do. Um, let me read, actually, I have not read this to you guys. This is today's devotional. What's today? May 1st? Welcome to May! <laughs> uh, let's see here. So this is from my devotional, Strength for Today by David Jeremiah. This is a one from a year or two ago. So, May 1st on schedule, it's called. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians 4.4. Bill Watterson of the Calvin and Hobbes fame wrote, Reality comes to ruin my life. While that makes for a humorous quote, it is not a recipe for successful living. Nonetheless, many people have chosen to deny the reality of the prolific chronologically of David. Daniel's 70 weeks, Daniel 9:24 to 27, especially as it pertains to the identity of the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
Daniel prophesies that there would be 483 years, 69 weeks of seven uh, or seven of seven years each, between the Persian king's permission to rebuild Jerusalem and the appearance of the Anointed One, the Messiah. Many biblical scholars have worked out the details of this chronologically and found it to be accurate. That means that the appearance of Christ came in fullness of the time. Galatians 4.4 Jesus himself said that at the beginning of his ministry, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom is, in, is at hand. Mark 1.15 Christ's birth, ministry, death, and resurrection, resurrection were all based on God's prolific calendar. Never doubt God's timing for events in your life. Your days have been ordered by him. Psalm 139.16 Now many of you may be like, well, uh, you know, I'm not really a Christian, Joseph. I don't believe in that. And that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. I understand. We're all different. I hope you believe. I want you to know there's an eternal life for us when we die. And if you ever wonder what happens to your body, yes, our bodies are tense. Our bodies die. Our bodies get old. Our bodies get sick. They're meant for temporary. They're meant to be temporary, right? But we never know when we're going to die. We could die tomorrow. You could die tomorrow. Hopefully not, but people are dying every day. People, and, and this is the weird thing, okay? And I don't know why this drew my interest for some reason, but I was looking at the obituaries about a week ago. And I was just looking at, like, my Aunt Liz, who died in 2006 or seven, and I was looking up her name and her, you know, and her obituary, and I found it. And she died, like, June 6th or something, I forget. Um... And I also, in that, within that list of obituaries, there were other ones back then. And some of them were kids. Some of them were young adults. And it was so sad because I, I looked at some of these people and I just looked at them. And some were old, you know. They lived a long life, probably, hopefully. But some were like 20s. Some had these beautiful pictures, young and vibrant and happy, and they died. Some even were kids, you know. Some, I remember, I think one was like a year old. And I get it. It's really sad. And life is never guaranteed to us. People die every day, young and old. Some people get sick and die. Some people get cancer. Some people could be just driving a normal day and get hit by a semi and die. You know, there's a lot of things out there that cause our death. But do you really want to question where you go after you die? I certainly don't. I know I'm going to heaven, you guys. I'm going to heaven. Because Jesus said, if I believe in him, he's going to give me an eternal life. And I believe it. And I proclaim that. And some of you may not like me saying that. Don't fast forward, please. But just know that's my belief. And I encourage you guys, pick up the Bible. Just pick it up. Read it. Start with, I would say start with First John. You don't have to start from Genesis if you don't want to. It's okay. But start from John. And I think you'll start. And then work your way into the Bible. Read. Study it. Get to know it. It's a living, breathing book. Because it was written by the, the Word of God. Right? So enjoy it. Even maybe be eye-opening, prolific to your own life. How you should live your life. I know it does for me. But anyways. I, I just, you know, thank you for, for all of you just coming to me and listening to me each and every day, you know. And I'm very thankful for for you in my life, all of you. I do appreciate you being here. I think about what more I want to say, but I think that's good for today, you know. It was a good message. I was on a roll today, you guys. 
I was on a roll. And um, today, let me tell you what I'm doing today. Or I've gotten some good writing. I'm editing my book. A lot of it, which is exciting because a lot of it I don't have to rewrite. Some of it I do. But I've gotten, you know, I'm whittling it down. I'm, I have two versions. I'm working out the most current version. And it's, again, it's called The Shot in the Dark. And the, the version I'm going off of, it's 379 pages. And so far, I have 240 pages. So you see the difference, right? So there's, you know, like 30, 30 pages that are not in the newer version. Because there's a lot of their things I just took out. So it's getting better. It's getting better. And I'll be very excited when I get to edit it once again and I get down to a, a more reasonable version. I don't know what that's going to be. You know, probably under 300 pages. Who knows? I'm also um, titling my chapters, something I didn't have in the old other version um, draft. So that will just give me an idea and people who read it what to expect in a way. So it's coming along. Um, studying for my PMP, doing that as well, and just trying to be happy. I don't really get depressed too often anymore, which is a good thing. I have my down days. My wife does too. And I have to talk to her about that because I don't want to see her that way. She feels like she's not valued at her workplace. She feels people look down at her. And I'm, and I'm, and I tell her people probably do. It's not because of her fault. It's just because of society and how we view people today. Uh, as much as I like to believe that we all like to think that everyone's equal, society doesn't treat people that way, especially in the United States. I told her we look at our history of how we treated people from different cultures, even our own. How we treat people today, it's gotten even much worse. Right? So I have to talk to her about that. But other than that, everybody, it's been a pleasure talking to all of you. I'm going to lead us out with our song, of course. And I just want to wish all of you a, a fantastic new, uh, not new year, excuse me, <laughs> uh, weekend. Stay blessed, everyone. Be careful. I know we still have to somewhat wear masks in most cases for COVID, but protect yourself. Don't put yourself in situations where you may get sick and spread the, the spread COVID. Um, and thank you for always being a part of my life. Genuinely, thank you. Here it is.
Thank you, everyone, once again. Have a great week. And until again, thank this is Just Talk with Joe Meyer. Have a great day.